0: So essentially, it's a Bible storybook for two to six-year-olds. And what we wanted to do was um, tell the foundational stories of Scripture faithfully, um, illustrate them in a way that's, that's engaging and historically accurate, um, but also give a sense to young kids that the Bible is not just a collection of random stories. Uh, but it is one big story. It's one of the good things about being a children's author is it. it, you, it is very much a team game. And, you know, illustrations can either, as you say, complement and, and add to and really lift a book and make it sing. Uh, or they can, however good the words are, they can they can make the book come over quite quite dull, which is always a shame in, when, when you're talking about the Gospels. It's come out with this sense that actually, you know, the, the Bible is one story about the God who makes and keeps all of his promises supremely in the Lord Jesus.
1: Welcome to The Afterword, a conversation on books, reading in the church, a podcast by Westminster Bookstore. I'm your host, Johnny Gibson. And today I'm joined by Carl Lafferton, the Executive Vice President of The Good Book Company, based in the UK and also here in the States, Uh, Carl is the author of Original Jesus, Promises Kept, Christmas Uncut, The God Contest, and this best-selling book, uh, The Garden, The Curtain, and The Cross. And I'm going to be chatting today to Carl about this book and other kids' books that he has written and some that he has coming out. Uh, Carl is married to Lizzie. They have two children, uh, Benjamin and Abigail, and he studied uh, history at Oxford University, worked as a journalist, a teacher, and also a pastor of a congregation in Hull. So, Carl, welcome. Good to have you on the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you.
1: So this book, uh, The Garden, The Curtain, and The Cross, it's uh, something of a bestseller. Um, do you want to tell us, first of all, what the book's about and why you think it has uh, been of such interest for parents and children?
0: Uh, essentially it's uh, a whistle-stop journey from the creation the Garden of Eden um, all the way through the big story of scripture to um, to the new Garden City in Revelation and uh, citing the cross and resurrection I suppose in its, in its biblical theological context for young kids and uh, wh- why is it a bestseller? Um, I, I, I mean it's never ask an author why why their own book is so well, I suppose. But um, I, I think it's because that's what it's doing, that it's placing the cross and resurrection in the framework of the whole Bible story. And it's also giving the sort of key doctrines to young kids of God as creator, uh, man has made in his image, um, what sin is, um, why sin matters, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what the future holds under Jesus's rule. And so... I think doing that in 32 pages, um, parents have have appreciated um, for the, for their kids and hopefully for themselves as well.
1: I read it the other night to my uh, two smallest children, Zach, four, and Hannah, three. It was the first time I'd actually read it to them, and um, it was a, it was interesting to see how engaged they were in it. I think because, as you say, you've located this great truth about. Um, Jesus opening the way back to God, uh, but you've located it in a story from, you know, the garden in Eden to uh, the garden city of heaven, um, and then also you have the the repetition of sometimes things were bad, sometimes things were sad because of the fall, and that sort of repeats itself, and also the phrase, I think it's the keep out curtain, you know, and uh they they had lots of questions. What? Why can't people go into God's presence? Why why can't they go into His place, Daddy? And yeah, I thought this is interesting compared to other kids' books I've read. There were more questions from them uh, as I went along. Um, how old are your children? It's, it's
0: possible that it was. It's possible that it was just bedtime for your children, and they wanted to um, see how long they could keep you talking. My my mine tend to ask big theological questions. Is just as I've said, it's time for lights out.
1: Hannah's three, and she's already caught onto that tactic. She she loves a lot of questions, but no, they were genuine. Engage, they were genuinely engaged with it. Um, yeah. So, what do your kids think of this story? I mean, how old are they, and when, how long have they been? Yeah, so, um, so, so
0: so, Ben's now eleven. Abby's nine. Um, so, when the book came out in two thousand sixteen, they were sort of right in the sweet spot. And um, actually, the sort of one of the repetition rhymes because of your sin you can't go in um just came came from me talking to abby um a bit about why why jesus had died on the cross um so they actually i mean it's it's one of a series of of books tells that tell the truth that have i think about 12 or 14 in now when my kid a couple of years ago my kids started to rank them they had sort of a lead a lead table of which which books they preferred and mine tend to come towards the bottom um with with my own kids but um you know profits never welcome in the same town I suppose
1: yeah and catalina Echeverri is the artist and uh, good artwork obviously always makes a good book i know catalina from our days in cambridge and uh, her and will jackie and i are friends with them and what do you think it is about her artwork that helps the good book company cuz she hasn't done just this one she does a lot of your books uh the kids' books from the good book company what do you think it is about her artwork that really kids find so interesting
0: so i think i mean she is absolutely fantastic and it's um it, it's just a privilege to have her illustrating book books that you've written um i think she she does a couple of things she she's her illustrations manage to be both sort of historically accurate and sensitive to the fact that we're dealing with with scripture it's not to be taken lightly um but they're also playful where they can be and i think kids resonate with with both those things actually um the other thing she does is you know she's a very theologically acute and aware believer and she works that into her illustrations and so there's always um in her books a, a few things that for those with eyes to see, um, just just add something. And um, there's one in the Garden of the Curtain, the Cross where the Lord is um, is visiting the temple in, in Jerusalem. And you see he's just turned to, to look at one of the uh, goats being led towards the altar. And it's quite moving to think that the Lord Jesus would have visited the temple and would have seen the lambs who were pointing to him being led towards the altar and would have known that that's... You know what what that was pointing towards, and so I, I don't expect three, four, five year olds, uh, even in the Gibson household, necessarily to notice that. But I think for for theologically aware adults, therefore, there's there's some sort of just hidden depths to her illustrations, and so I think that's why they've resonated so much, both with kids, but also with with parents who are then able to sort of say, "Hey, to their to their kids, you know, have you noticed this?" and and so on. Mm. And that means that it's not just the first read through that I think kids really love, but it's then they notice more in the second read through and the third and and, and so on. And I I I think that among many other reasons are, are why her illustrations have become so so much loved.
1: Yeah. When we got to the second page, um Zach said, Oh look, what a beautiful garden. And uh you know it's the Garden of Eden, but it's not just a simple garden. She's done it so well with all the different animals. And different things that you can explore, and I do think it's things like that that keep a kid focused on the page, and you you read it, but they are really engaged then with the words complementing the picture, and uh, yeah. I think that's probably also been one of the reasons it's it's sold so well is you know good artwork carries a book well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's um, it's one of the good things about being a children's author is it it you it is very much a team game and. You know, illustrations can either, as you say, complement and, and add to and really lift a book and make it sing. Uh, or they can, however good the words are, they can they can make the book come over quite quite dull, which is always a shame in, when, when you're talking about the gospel. So, yeah.
1: So you studied history at Oxford. Um, did you ever think while you were doing your degree that you would write children's books?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no i mean certainly not for the first year when uh, before the lord brought me to faith um uh no i was i was going to be a journalist um and i did work as a as a sports journalist for a little while and um, then decided for various reasons that wasn't um where the lord wanted me um but even when i started working for a book company um i started as a senior editor working on on the adult side of things and um this this book um, started as a as a Bible talk on on a summer camp for teenagers and um, I was given Genesis 3 and we put a big curtain up and you know uh, ripped it at the right moment and, and so on to, to explain the cross and then when we when we wanted to do a book about Easter, I thought, well kids kids love uh, concrete ideas or concrete stories. They can get their heads around that much better than they can abstract concepts and the curtain is literally a, a divine gift of a of a visual illustration it was it was there for the israelites to to see to look at to remind them um and so yeah so that's that's how i ended up being a children's author entirely by accident
1: hmm. was this then your first children's book you did mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah so i did this one um that was 2016 then I wrote the God contest, which is about Elijah on Mount Carmel and, and then looking towards the resurrection that came out a couple of years ago. And then God's Big Promises Bible storybook is just out.
1: OK, and uh, Zach uh, had the God contest the other day, walking around with it. He loves the picture on the front, but uh, haven't yet had the chance to read it to him. But again, just the artwork on the front of it has captivated, captivated him enough to walk around the house holding this book. <laughs> So, uh,
0: <laughs> that's great to hear.
1: Yeah. So tell us a bit more about um, your book that's just out or coming out, God's Big Promises Bible Story book.
0: Yeah, so essentially it's a Bible story book for two to six-year-olds. And what we wanted to do was um, tell the foundational stories of Scripture faithfully um, illustrate them in a way that's that's engaging and historically accurate, um, but also give a sense to young kids that the Bible is not just a collection of random stories, uh, but it is one big story. And so we went for a covenantal theme, essentially, though we call them promises. Um, and so there's 92 stories, um, about half and half Old Testament, New Testament, but all the way through, um, there are five types of promise being made and kept and little icons crop up whenever uh, a, a promise of a different type of particular type is being either made or kept. And so what I'm really hoping is that kids you know, are being introduced to the, the key stories of Scripture in a way that's faithful, in a way that when parents sit down to read them, they don't have to reword bits slightly or try to change the point being taught or whatever. Um, but also that kids come out with this sense that actually you know, the, the Bible is one story about the God who makes and keeps all of his promises supremely in the Lord Jesus.
1: Now, 92, uh, not chapters, but stories, uh, that, tell, that tells me you've gone beyond the typical Adam and Eve, Noah and the Ark, David and Goliath, you know, uh, the Joshua and the walls of Jericho. So tell us some of the maybe lesser known stories that you decided to include and why did you decide to include those because obviously they all do play a part in covenant theology in you know God's redemptive history but yeah tell us which ones you included and why you chose those
0: yeah so we put the classics in because everybody expects to see those um but i also wanted to give the sense that um <laughs> essentially that that something happens between David and Goliath and well sort of Jesus other than Jonah being swallowed by a big fish and Daniel not being eaten by lions and so we cover um Solomon we cover the division of the kingdom we cover uh, the exile we cover the prophets and the return um and and again in the New Testament I wanted to make sure that we saw what the Lord did through his spirit after he ascended um so we have plenty of stories from Acts and and a couple trying to look at the letters and just sum up the epistles um, in in a few lines. Um, so, in 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 one sense, I found it harder to narrow it down to the ninety two than, than I did to get it up uh, to to the ninety two. But again, it's just it's trying to give kids and parents, I suppose, a, a sense of the actual storyline thread through Scripture and trying to show how the famous famous stories fit into that storyline rather than being effectively moralistic tales about how to be brave or how to be good.
1: Yeah. Uh, Samson, does he make it in there?
0: Samson's made it in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love the way uh, Jen, the illustrator has, has illustrated that because when Samson pushes the pillars over, uh, he, he his body is in the shape of a cross and Again, I don't expect your average two- or three-year-old to spot it, but it's just one of those little resonances of the Lord Jesus that's um, just there for those who spot it.
1: Yeah, that's lovely. Uh, Who's the artist? Did you mention her name?
0: So it's Jennifer Davison. Um, uh, She's a Northern Irish um, uh, illustrator and and, um, used to work as an animator. And again, just uh, really theologically... Uh, acute and and thoughtful and careful and um again the the great thing about writing kids books is you write the words and you know they're on a, a word document or whatever and then when the illustrations start coming in you you see it come to life and you see sometimes more being told through the illustrations than 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 you had really anticipated so one thing jen did is she and i hadn't really noticed this as i wrote but um every time Yahweh appears as fire um uh, Abrahamic covenant burning bush um or rather not burning up bush um Mount Sinai and then on through and uh into Pentecost and she's done it as a, with a kind of a bluey tinge to show that this is a not not just a normal fire and and it's really great actually as you read through it to just see those links uh, building up which I hadn't really Planned for or anticipated, but then when the when the illustrations start coming through, you, you you realize that the spirit is guiding the illustrator just as much as the author to to bring it together.
1: Yeah, and being from Northern Ireland, it's just top quality work, you know.
0: Oh, always.
1: Yeah, from a completely unbiased perspective, I can say that. <laughs> um, what do you think makes a kids' book
0: cringy? Oh. Uh, well, uh, I, well uh, I suppose there's two types of cringy. Um, there's sort of cringy as in um, when when it's written in rhyme, for example, but the rhyme doesn't really work or scan well unless it's being read by the author who knows how it was meant to be sort of stuffed into its lines and so on. Um, there's cringy when... Um, when you have a a story about something, and then there's a sort of a crunching gear shift into the God bit, um, that can be a bit cringy. Um, but I think for for me, as a sort of as a Christian dad, the 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 worst cringe is when you're you just you're just realizing that a a part of scripture has been taken out of its context, slightly mishandled, is making a point that wasn't intended to be made from that. Mm. Um and before my kids could read, that was fine because I could reword it mm. on the hoof as we went along, assuming I'd had enough sleep the night before. Once the kids started to read and they were able to say, I don't think that word says that, Daddy, then I had to be much more careful about which books <laughs> we were yeah, we were right. dipping into and out of. So I guess I guess most of all there's the cringe factor of just mm. not sticking to the to the
1: Bible story faithfully, yeah. I find that with one particular book, a uh, uh, Bible story book, uh, not yours because I haven't seen it or read it. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> but uh, there is one that we've read over the years too. My oldest son Ben years ago, and Jackie and I would find ourselves, you know, having to correct a few things. Or he would say, "Well, what, what's that mean? Or is that true?" And yeah, it's it shows the importance of good. Orthodox sound doctrine, even in a children's book, so that kids aren't imbibing wrong views of Jesus or the you know how God works in the world or who God is. Um, so that's that's one of the things we appreciate about uh, the books you've written and the Good Book Company, hence the name of the company. Uh, Hopefully. the the, the, um, the orthodox, yeah, I remember when I wrote
0: the first draft of God's Big Promises uh, Bible storybook. I, I think it must have been a lockdown because i was doing it at home and i i came down for lunch and told my wife that i finished up the first draft and and she said "I, i hope you're praying as much as you're writing because a bible story but for little kids this will be their first impression of the lord jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he does for us today and that's actually a big responsibility and i i I was really struck by that actually, that um doctrine the doctrine we put in kids' books doesn't just matter as much as what we put in adult books. It in in one sense, it matters more. It's it's their first it's forming their first impressions of who Jesus is, what the world is like. Um and whereas a twenty-five or a forty-five year old can, you would hope, sort of sift good from bad, truth from error, um, five year olds can't. And so it is actually it was a, it was good that Lizzie reminded me that um, this is a a weighty responsibility, and um, and she was right that I, I think she had suspected that I wasn't on my knees enough about it. So that was a, a useful reminder for me.
1: Yeah. So we want kids' books to be good, orthodox, sound on the gospel and on the basics, uh, but we don't want them to be boring either. What what do you think makes for a boring children's book?
0: Well, I think um, sometimes, so I, I think there are two sort of ditches to fall into. The one is um, you write a really exciting story. There's fantastically fun illustrations, but but actually in the end, it's a, it's a bit fluffy. Um, you're not getting to the number of the gospel because you were too busy writing a, you know, fantastically well-written story and so on. Um, you know, we're a confessional publishing house. Um, I don't think that's our danger. Our danger is that we are so busy being faithful that we don't adorn the gospel um, by writing in a way that is engaging and fun um, or that we have illustrations that uh, appeal to um, boomers uh, or or even to millennials, but actually aren't um, going to really grab children. And uh, we have a little sort of internal aim with our with our kids publishing which is we we want kids to choose to read our books off their bookshelf um even when they're next to secular books on their bookshelf but we also want their Christian parents to be really pleased that their kids have chosen to read one of our books because they know it's going to be uh, faithful in a way that's accessible for their children to to grasp and think about and and respond to and so, we, we want our books to be illustrated and written in such a way that they are just as good as anything in a in a, in a Barnes & Noble, um, but, as I say, also uh, theologically sound. Mm.
1: Uh, any advice for someone listening to this who, maybe a bit like yourself, never had any aspirations to be a children's author and yet actually feels compelled having done a illustration uh, at a camp or has done a kids talk in church is thinking you know what i'd love to write that up and give it a go as a book what, what's your advice to a, a young aspiring children's author
0: uh well I, I suppose i'd mainly say have a go the great thing about kids books is they're short you can work out pretty quickly whether they're going to work well or whether they're just not it's not like writing an adult book where it can take you know a year before you realize that it's not a very good idea um so have a go. Um, the other thing, the, the way I try to write is by either imagining myself or literally speaking to kids of the target age range. The wonderful thing about kids is, whereas adults are polite and therefore don't tell you that you've been a bit dull or that they don't understand, kids will let you know. Um, and and so I think my other tip, apart from just having a go, is... is if if you've got a story on your heart that you think is going to communicate theological truth beautifully, grab some kids of the age that you want to write it for, sit down with them, tell them the story, see how it goes, see what lands, see what seems to go over their heads, um, and that will give you a good a good impression, one, of whether it's worth pursuing, but two, which bits work well, which bits could do with a bit more work and so on, um, and then link it to a publisher. We have a submissions inbox submissions at thegoodbook.com people can can email us and i mean as ever with publishers you end up saying no to loads of good stuff Um, but you never know Um, we we publish two or three things a year that are uh in 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 the kids range and in the adult range that have come into submissions um which is always really exciting to, to to see something come from just just an idea from somebody we don't know all the way through uh, to publication is, is brilliant
1: mm. um so just as we bring things to a close uh we've talked about the children's books that the good book company have done but you just mentioned there you've got an adult range of books um do you want to tell us about some books that are recently published that have been well received or some that are in the pipeline about to be released
0: uh so we've got um a book by us to beg just come out christian manifesto looking at the sermon on the plane that's a uh, just well, as Alistair it is at his at his best, um, clear, compelling, challenging. Um, we released um, we l- released a book last year that's done very well, The Air We Breathe, uh, Glenn Scrivener, which your listeners may 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 well have heard of. But um, that was that was just a a, a great book to work on, um, to see deep ideas that that Glenn tackles in a really clear and compelling way, um, just sort of showing how our Western values and assumptions are actually very Christian. Um, sort of you know, working off of Tom Holland and others, the the work they've done, but great book for giving confidence to Christians, as well as giving something you can give to a thoughtful non-Christian to, to engage with them and have a, have a conversation. Um, And then, what else should I mention? Um, uh, We have uh, another, another series that's done very well, uh, not for kids, but for sort of tween ages and teenagers by an Aussie author called Chris Morphew. Uh, the big questions series um that's uh and it's possibly because my kids are now in that age range that i particularly appreciate them but um to have those on my kids bookshelves and it's interesting to watch them sort of every now and then i'll realize oh they're just reading the one about you know how do we know what happens when we die they're just reading the one about identity or they're just reading the one about how we can be sure that jesus rose from the dead and um and just to be able to Firstly, now they've got good resources to read, uh, but secondly, to be able to sort of have my antennae switched on to conversations I might like to pick up with them uh, has been has been super helpful too. And then, uh, oh, we have a we do an Advent devotional book each year, and um, this year's is using some material uh, from R.C. Sproul. So that's been just a privilege, frankly, to get to um, take some of his material and work with uh, Mrs. Sproul to, to 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 bring out a, a just a super helpful worshipful uh, devotional for the advent season
1: well that's great look forward to seeing some of those and uh, as my kids get older also getting a hold of some of those ones that you mentioned uh carl it's been great to have you on the afterward podcast uh we wish you every blessing for your uh, writing uh, and we hope you keep writing these kids books um and uh thanks very much for joining us
0: oh thanks for having me johnny it's been a pleasure
1: Uh, Thanks for joining us here on uh, The Afterword. Uh, We have a giveaway for um, this new book, God's Big Promises Bible Storybook. If you go to wtsbooks.org, you can enter there for the giveaway. Don't miss out on it. Thanks for joining us.